We are in three of four lessons here tonight. We began with relationships. Um, and those relationships were at our home and our families. And a healthy, functional family is the most desirable of all. But there are many other aspects of, of relationships. As the last two lessons went forth, I would urge all of us, all of you to go back to listen to the two lessons that were presented. Last week, Brother Scott was outstanding and, and it's worth hearing it. It, it should change our mindset about what we're doing in the public arena. Tonight, uh, Sister Lacey Barber is going to be teaching. Um, I'm sorry, not Lacey Barber. Is Lacey Barber teaching? <laughs> no, Lacey Fisher is teaching. Sister Lacey is going to be teaching. Tell your wife, Tim, that she's on the docket. Sister Lacey Fisher, I apologize. And and so I'm excited about hearing her. If you have your books, she's going to be teaching from, we're starting at page 53. Let me just say, Jesus had many friends. We, we, we have a tough time dissecting the scripture because it doesn't give us the totality of his life. We have a, a the birth. We have a two-year-old Jesus. We have the birth. We have an eight-day-year-old Jesus. We have a, we have an escape of a two-year-old Jesus. We have a 12-year-old Jesus and we have a 30-year-old Jesus. And then he's gone in 33 and a half years. So there's so much time that's unaccounted for. But we do know that he frequented Bethany on many occasions. So within the construct of the lesson here tonight, you'll find the words, the table. And our friendships are critical, especially as regards our church and how we grow. They say that if at the end of your life... You have two good friends or three good friends. You are very successful. A friend. Friendships are critical. They are the construct of relationships and they say something about, about me, about you. So I'm so glad and let's welcome Sister Lacey Fisher. <laughs> it's on Sister Lacey. Good evening, New Life family. The last two lessons have been challenging. They dig at us. They've challenged me. And I hope that we are taking what we're learning and applying it to our life. This is, this is crucial. This next year, and we've been talking about it, we're breaking ground. We're breaking ground and we are building a sanctuary. We are about to experience the revival that God has promised this city and has promised to us. But in order to break ground, sometimes we have to break up some hard soil in ourselves. Sister Amanda said it so beautifully about the things and relationships in our family. And it challenged me, but it hurt at the same time. There were things that I knew that I had to change in my family and Brother Scott did such a wonderful job speaking on relationships in the marketplace. And tonight, I'm going to be speaking on our friendships. Sister Amanda said it, and it's so true. I can only teach from what I know and from what I've experienced. And when I was studying and thinking about this lesson, I started to think about the first memory I had of a friend. Just give yourself a minute. Go back to that place. The first memory you have of a friend. Friendship is like a little seed, and if we don't realize it or not, it grows. And we learn how to treat people by just the little seed that was planted. My first memory was in my home. Everything goes back to the home. And my first memory of friendship was with my sister. I was 15. I had just recovered, well, was recovering from a very intense surgery, and I dealt with a lot of anxiety. 
and a lot of fear. And I didn't sleep at night. Well, my sister, Sierra, was across the hall from me, and I would call for her, and I would ask her to come into my room. And even though it might have frustrated her a little bit to get a call at 2 a.m. in the morning, I would ask her to sing to me. I would say, Sierra, I'm so afraid. Can you just sing? Sing me a song. I need a song. And she would, like, go in and out of sleep singing to me. I'd wake her up, and she would sing again. And what I realized was that was a seed of friendship that made me want to be a comforter. That was my first memory. And because of that, a friend was my comfort. And now I look back in my relationships and friendships, and if you've done the colors, I'm very blue, which means I love comfort and all the loving things. And it was from my sister being a comfort to me I look at Zach and I now, and our family, we have Anna, who is 11, almost 12, and Samuel, who will be 14 soon, and we are teaching them on how to develop friendships. I know that we are not the only parents who tell our kids, if you don't get along, nobody else is coming into this house. If you don't start getting along with your sister, if you don't start getting along with your brother, no no other person is going to grace this house because we're trying to teach them the value of their relationship and their friendship. So even when we look at our outside friendships, it always comes back to the home. When I was thinking of another friend who was a friend but also a mentor to me, that was Carla Doherty. I came to this church at 23. I believe I was 23. Carla Doherty, you greeted me at the door and you loved on Anna. She was six months old and she loved on her and she was my friend, but she was mentoring me as well. She was showing me that I could be a woman of prayer, that I could be a mother. Carla, you, you were my mentor. And now you're my friend. And that just shows you what the importance of is a friendship inside the church. There was a recent study done. And a statistic, a statistic asked, aside from members of your own family, does the person you consider your best friend attend your local congregation? It said that 39% said, yes, my friend attends my church. 59% said, my friend does not attend my local assembly. It was shown that people with best friends in their congregation seem to feel a stronger sense of belonging than those who don't. To me, this shows the value of connection and friendship to the people that you are sitting beside tonight. It's important. It's important to not come into this building and not speak to the person next to you. It's important to join connections and friendships with the person that you're sitting beside tonight. This is a question that I'm going to ask you tonight. Who is the company you keep? This is a question that Zach and I have asked ourselves over the course of years. And we actually, we revisit this quite often. Well, we ask and evaluate who is the company we keep. I encourage you tonight, if you've brought pen and paper, to take this note. These are three questions that we ask ourselves. Number one, does your company Encourage your relationship with God. Number two, do they complain or build up the church? Number three, are you like-minded? Are they kingdom-focused? Pastor has said, harmony and unity feeds and nourishes. We have many times discussed this 
in our devotional time with our music team. So just bear with me, team, if you've heard this from Zach and I a lot. But it's the concept of one mind, one team. We've all been to a ball game, one thing or another. If it was basketball, football, hundreds, thousands, 10,000 people all joining together and they're cheering all different volumes, all different sounds, but somehow it sounds like one voice. Why? Harmony in unity. Can you imagine if we took these same approaches in our friendship? Friends are there to laugh and cry with us. But what if we took the approach that each friendship is meant to build the kingdom of God? Would you reevaluate your friendships a little more? Is the person that you're spending the most time with building up your church or are they tearing it down? Are they kingdom minded? Are you focused on the same thing? Sometimes our friendships we take to, to please us. They make me feel good. I have a fun time with them. And these are all things that we love. We all love them. But what if we changed our mindset that every relationship and every friendship that we develop, it is to further the body of Christ. I challenge you. This is, this is digging, right? This is breaking the ground. This is something that hurts. It's hard to evaluate something that we hold dear The Bible speaks about the importance of friendship. Often friends become closer to us than family. It said, you don't choose your friends, or I'm sorry, you don't choose your family, but you choose your friends. I encourage you, choose wisely. Proverbs 13, 20. He that walketh with the wise men shall be wise, but a good companion of fools shall be destroyed. First Samuel shows us the close friendship of David and Jonathan. And this is where our books start and paint a picture for us tonight. Allow me just a moment to paint you the picture of their relationship. David was a shepherd. Jonathan was a prince. Jonathan had his armor. David had a harp and a sling. Jonathan grew up in a palace. David grew up in Bethlehem. Jonathan was the oldest son in line for a throne. And David was the youngest of eight boys. Do you see a pattern? They were opposite. They came from totally different spectrums. They were an unlikely friendship. Jonathan was a great man of war who most likely met David in the palace when David was called to play the harp for the tormented King Saul. And we find in the scripture that their friendship began when he, after he killed Goliath. First Samuel 18, 1 tells us this. And it came to pass when he had made an end and speaking with Saul, that the soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David. It's too often that you're, it's not too often that your hero is younger than you, but this was Jonathan. David was a hero. He could soothe the king and defeat the enemy. What, whatever mission Saul sent him on, he was successful. David and Jonathan were friends with loyalty. Jonathan remained close to David and David trusted Jonathan. So number one in your book tonight, godly friends are loyal. Proverbs 18.24 says, A man that hath friends must show himself friendly, and there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. John 15.13 says, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Proverbs 17.17 says, A friend loveth at all times, and a brother is born out of adversity. How many friends do you feel can call on you in a time of prayer? Do you feel the same? Do you have friends that you can call and ask for prayer? While most men in Jonathan's shoes would have felt jealous and threatened, 
He saw what God saw in David. So number two, godly friends encourage us to be better. Just think, if we could lay aside jealousy and comparison, which I just want to tell you, comparison is actually our insecurities. And it robs us of a lot of things. Surround yourself with people who push you to where you need to be. What if your jealousy is a trap the enemy has created to block you from the people God is putting there to propel you higher? I would encourage you, ask the Lord. Lord, I ask you, take jealousy and pride out of my heart. It's holding you back. There are friendships that God wants you to have that push you and are going to propel you in the kingdom of God. And we have to get out of the trap of thinking that if they are better than me, that I can't be friends with them. That's a lie of the enemy. It's a lie of the enemy. We have to, in the name of Jesus, I have, I have felt that. I have went through that. Women, we compare ourselves. We compare ourselves. But I encourage you, knock it down. Knock the wall down. God has plans for your life. There are people that he wants to put in your life that are going to propel you higher. Yes. (laughs) I do encourage you, though. Be careful. Be careful. Because not all friends that encourage you are godly. Just because they're encouraging you in your life's ambition doesn't mean that they're kingdom-minded. Pastor has been telling us recently, and this is something that Zach and I have gripped onto and we are asking the Lord daily for, and that is discernment. I think that we have to pray for discernment. Even when it comes to our relationships, The people who we feel may be encouraging us may not be godly. And if we have discernment, we can feel that. Yes, we love everybody. We love everybody. But we don't offer everyone a seat at our table. Pastor, actually, I refer to you a lot. (laughs) Pastor actually taught a sermon, Your Table. It's on the podcast. I made sure before I said this. You need to listen to it. It is something that we revisit often. They are principles that we live by. And on this, he said, it's not what people say that corrupt you. It's what they represent. Guard yourself. Don't let everyone into your life. Do I ask for advice? Or can I give it? These are questions I ask myself. Do I ask for advice or can I give it? Or do I always want to give the advice, but I can't receive it? These are questions we need to ask ourselves. We are building the body of Christ. This isn't just about us. This is about the kingdom of God. This is about the people that are about to walk in these doors that are going to be lonely and need a friend. They're going to need you. They're going to need you to be ready and have all of that soil already plowed up and all of the nasty things out of you. They're going to need you to teach them. They're going to need you to teach them how to be a friend. This is what we're doing. This is, this is these lessons. This is every life group. This is every Bible study that we come. Every, every sermon that we hear in this house, I pray you are listening. That we are not just hearing it, but we are doing it. We are doers of the word. We are not just listeners of the word. Yes. (laughs) I want to be an encourager. I want to be an encourager. Number three, godly friends are honest. Proverbs 27, 6. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, 
but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Proverbs 28:23 He that rebuketh a man afterward shall find more favor than he that flattereth with the tongue. Hmm. Job 17:5 He that speaketh flattery to his friends even the eyes of his children shall fail. Who can speak honestly into your life? Whose life can you speak with honestly? There is a difference between being brutally honest and gently honest. I have learned this. You must approach people in the right spirit and with love. We should never bind our opinions to the tip of a spear and ram it through the other person's heart. Proverbs 15.1 says, A soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. Jesus lived with people, not at people. We must be an encourager. We must be an encourager of this church. We must be an encourager to our families. We must be an encourager to our spouses. We must be an encourager to our friends. We are a witness. We are a witness and his light must shine from us. I have a funny way that the Lord will speak to me. And it often happens when I am working in the flowers. I will be digging in the flowers. And I think it's because my mind is clear and I'm not thinking of anything else. In the winter, I don't get to do this as often. <laughs> but today, I was sitting at the sink and I was looking out our back window when we bought our house, the backyard was fenced in and the lady had river rocked it with big river rocks everywhere. Earlier last summer, Ryan and Zach decided to clean that out. <laughs> it was bad. It was a job. And them and the boys, they got in there and they dug it up. And as I was sitting at my sink, the Lord reminded me of that picture. I was looking out the window, and it was almost like I could see them out there again, cleaning the big rocks, and they were muddy. It was wet soil. It was nasty. And the Lord spoke to me, and he told me, that's what I'm asking the people to do when they're breaking ground. There's soil that's nasty and rocky and hard and you haven't wanted to deal with it in a long time. And what we feel may be simple concepts. We think, I can be a friend. I know how to handle my family. I know how to be at work on the job. I know how to be a good saint. These simple concepts God's asking you to dig up some hard, rocky ground in your life. He's asking you to do some digging. He's asking you to throw away some bad friendships and start to develop some new ones. And it's hard. It's not fun. But then when I was looking, which the grass is brown right now, it's, but I thought in just a few months, I'm going to see this beautiful green yard. It's going to develop. And I'm going to see something new come from something that was old and rocky. When I started to see this picture of the grass turning green, I started to see faces in our congregation. Where there was maybe rocky soil. And you thought, it's in the backyard. I don't want to deal with that anymore. It's too hard. It hurts. I don't want to look in the mirror and notice things that were hard, wrong in my life. Friendships that were wrong. Family relationships that I wasn't treating them right. I wasn't honoring my spouse. I wasn't honoring my children. I wasn't honoring the people I sit beside at church. I don't want to deal with my backyard. This is the year. This is the year. 
we're going to dig it up. We're going to dig it up. We're going to dig up the rocky, hard soil, and we're going to watch something new grow. This is our family. This is our family. Do you believe that? Do you believe that the person you're sitting by side tonight is your family? I encourage you to ask the Lord, Lord, dig, dig it up in me. Dig it up in me. I need to reevaluate my friendships, my relationships. This is hard. This is hard. But I feel the Holy Ghost right now that if there is someone who will take this word, take the words that Sister Amanda and Brother Scott have taught us, and we apply it, God is going to make you new in the name of Jesus. There are going to be relationships that you need to sever, and that is okay. But there are going to be relationships that forgiveness is about to walk in. Pastor says, forgiveness is the balm to your healing. Forgiveness is the balm. And forgiveness is going to start to come into your life. God's going to do a work. Pastor, if you don't mind, I have, I have finished. Do you believe it tonight? Do you believe that God can do it? That he can do a work in our lives? Can you raise your hands right now and just receive the word? Let's love the Lord right now, everybody. Would you do that, Jesus? Jesus, 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 Jesus. What I'd like for her to do is just repeat everything she said again because we needed to hear it and I encourage you. She's asked me to just kind of tag along with her and I'm going to stay in the vein. Go back to your books if you don't mind and look at your first underlying word that we filled out. Loyalty. Everyone say loyalty. On a, on, a, if you have a note, just take a couple of notes. I'll give you three subtitles in loyalty. Loyalty has conditions. Watch conditions. Loyalty has a condition attached to it. I'm, I am loyal, but that, that doesn't mean that, that I'm gonna cover up your injustice. If I have a friend, my loyalty does not cover up an injustice. You know, there's an injustice that, that you've done. Well, aren't you loyal? Yes, but I'm not covering up your injustice. So there's crime, there's sinful things, there's egregious acts. Sometimes loyalty is misused. And we don't know the definition of it. Loyalty has, loyalty has another aspect to it. Uh, loyalty, it's almost polar, but it's not, it's not counterintuitive to the first, but it does cover. Loyalty does cover. A loyal, a loyal person doesn't just walk away from you even when you're wrong. Loyalty sticks close by. When you have a loyal friend, They'll go through the hard times with you. They don't abandon you. Loyalty does not abandon you. Loyalty is faithful. Say faithful. Who are you loyal to? Are you loyal? Do you have a friend that you're loyal to? What if, what if that friend goes through a really hard time? Where is your loyalty? What's your loyalty to your friendship? What's your loyalty to your church? Your, your community, the people, loyalty, it's, it's, it's critical. And then, and there's, I'm not going to exhaust all the aspects of this word, but then there is another aspect of loyalty. And, and it's found here in, in, in the scripture of 1 Samuel chapter 20. Jonathan was loyal to David and vice versa. Jonathan had to balance his father and his, and his best friend. His covenant friend. Loyalty does not have to take all sides, but it does have a balance to it. He did not agree with his father. And he could still be loyal to his friend. So there's a balance in loyalty also, where we balance 
people. And this happens a lot when, when we have family members that do not believe in the Lord, maybe do not, they're atheists or maybe they're, they're backsliders or maybe they don't love the Lord or love the church. They have no relationship with God. They would prefer that you did not come to church. You can be loyal to the things of God and still maintain your relationships. You just have to know the boundaries of that. Loyalty. Where did loyalty go? Give me a loyal friend. A loyal friend that's going to stick by me. It's going to love me. It's going to look out for me. A loyal friend. The, the next part, and, and these things that, that Lacey's telling us about are critical because we have to go back to, to the root of the church, or the, I'm sorry, the, the foundation of the church here. There's, this foundation is made out of love. It's restoration and love. That's how we began. 22 and a half years ago, that's how we began, just through restoration and love. That's how we're going to survive. That's how we're going to grow again. The, the second part is to encourage, to be an encourager. And, and the Bible says, iron sharpeneth, uh, iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth his friends. It's right there. She, she read it to you. So you should have three people in your life. You should have a Paul, you should have a Barnabas, and you need a Timothy. A Paul is someone you look up, look up to. A Barnabas is someone you look across. And a Timothy is someone you're, you're reaching for and you're pulling up. Who is your elder? Who are you looking to? Who's across? Who's your peer? Who's beneath you? Who are you encouraging? And friendships, those are all the friendships. So today I spent sufficient time with my pastor on the phone. I spoke with him on the phone. Yesterday I talked to another friend on the phone and And I also spoke to someone that I'm bringing up. So those three relationships are have been exercised in the last 24 hours. An encourager. But what is the encouragement for? Did you hear Sister Lacey tell you? Not everyone that's encouraging you is doing right by you. They can encourage you to do the wrong thing. They are not your friend. We tell young people that. But as adults, we forget that people encourage us to do the wrong thing or to participate in the wrong endeavor. You need to measure your friendships and make sure that you guide the friendship. Not every one of my friends throughout my life were doing right, but I maintained them through loyalty and I guided them. And then finally, in your lesson is number three. I preached a sermon called Faithful Wounds. And I asked a question in the sermon. Can I cut you? Can you be wounded? We would rather have a thousand kisses from deceitful people than to have a wound or a cut. People reject that. We don't want that. But I submit to you, the cut is better than the thousand kisses. Doesn't feel as good. But the result is wonderful. I don't know a lot about gardening. I don't. You work in the garden. I don't know a lot about it. But I I do know that I have some rose bushes by my mailbox. And if I cut them back each year, they, they tend to to grow more. My goal is to make it so that the mailman has to wear gloves to put my mail in the mailbox. That's the goal. And I'm almost there. I'm almost there. I get there. But, and if you, if you prune that, that bush, it actually helps it to grow. But if you let it grow wild, it, it actually can die. And that is your life. We have people, we have a whole congregation of people all around the United States. I'm talking about, I'm talking about Pentecostals. They never want anyone to tell them that that's not good. Don't do that because they want compliance. They want, they, they would say, Oh, you're just not encouraging me. That's right. We're not encouraging you to do wrong. And, and sometimes it's okay. A, a friend, a real friend does not let you walk around with toothpaste on the side of your lip. Is it? Okay. Toothpaste. Are you hearing me? Toothpaste. Wait, wait a second. A friend says, hey, you, you got some lint in your hair. 
I didn't do it. Listen, I knew, I knew she, I knew she had done it. I didn't, I just thought it was funny. I probably, I wasn't a friend to my mom. She, she often would put on two different pairs of shoes, you know, uh, different colors. I just thought it was funny, you know, because that's my mother, you know, she'd go and she, and I, she'd go to church and she had two different shoes on. She'd find out later and I'd say, mom, what, what, you like to wear all your clothes at one time, whatever. That's not a friend. That's not a friend. A friend comes to you and says, listen, you got to change your attitude. Now, a friend that can that you allow it, that's your friend. Most people stiff arm at one another or won't say anything. And then you get sucked into things because you, you, you're not you don't understand that that you have not welcomed honesty. You would rather have the lie. Because the lie feels so much better. Sometimes it's, it's not what's said that's damaging the most, damaging you the most. It's what is left unsaid. Things need to be said to me. But if I have an attitude or a spirit that pushes everyone away, let me, let me just show you a couple ways to push people away. How are you doing? Excellent. Wonderful. Hand up. Take a couple steps back. Excellent. Wonderful. Doing great. Talk to you later. When really you know you're not doing good, but you absolutely are not going to tell them the truth. Fill out a survey. One uh, From 1 to 100, how are you doing? 100. Where do you need help? Nowhere. It's a lie. You knew you were lying. You just don't, you don't want to face anything. You don't want to be honest. A friend that you have, a godly friend, will help you with honesty. There's honesty. Do you think that Jesus was was ugly and out of sorts and inconsiderate when he turned to Martha and said, "Listen, Martha, I know you've been washing the dishes, but your sister picked the better thing. I'm not giving it. I'm not taking this away from her. You go on about your business." But that was, if you read it, that's pretty harsh. And in our terms today, and a minister or a pastor or a leader told you that, you know what you'd say? They just don't care. They don't care about me. Because we don't want anyone to be honest with us. You got a bad spirit. You got to forgive. Don't tell me that. Well, then you don't have a friend. Because you know you have a friend when they disagree with you. And they don't have to apologize. You know you've kept the friend when they can correct you with kindness, as you said. And you still talk to them tomorrow. How many friends do you have in your life that can say, I don't think that's a good move. That's not right. This is what we found out through the years. That when you have a good friend and you know they'll be honest with you. When you don't want to hear what they have to say because you know they'll disagree with you. You don't ask them for advice. Here's what we found out about true friends. True friends are the people that you have cultivated and you've cared for and they reciprocated in the same way. Let me go a a next level. Some of us have friends that we are friends to, but they do not reciprocate us, but it didn't stop us from giving to them. There are men in my life that have been a friend to me. I am not near the friend that they are to me. I'm, I'm racing to catch up. But I'm not there. And there are friends in my life. That I have been a good friend to them. But I get very little in return. And it's okay. Because when I've learned the lesson. It doesn't have to come back to me. In the same way I gave it. How about being a friend to people. That are really not friendly. Jesus even said this in his in his dialogue when he said, you know, if you give to people that give to you, just like the world. If you have an expectation, you're doing good to people that do do good to you. Well, you, you didn't separate. You didn't. There's no distinction between you and the world. But if you do good to people that that probably you're not going to get much back from. Now you get to be like me. No one. No one really says it, but we we sing the songs about being like Jesus. But when we get the opportunity to be like Jesus, we usually don't want it. We reject it. You want to be like Jesus? Have someone talk bad about you? Have an offense within the body? Have a friend 
that you thought was your friend maybe or did wrong to you. I have told many people throughout the course of, of my tenure here, you know, now you get a chance to be like Jesus. And so far, no one has been clapping and rejoicing. Thank you, thank you Pastor, for that. So wonderful. Now is a chance you get to take up your cross. Friendships. What the Lord can do in your life with a friendship. Let me tell you how, to, how, 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 the, how the order of this spirit of this night, this lesson has gone. And I will, I'll bring it right to where Sister Lacey brought us. I want to have a garden in my backyard. I really do. But I've got some varmints in my backyard. No, they're not squirrels. They are two boxers. And I planted a lot of wonderful vegetables last year. And they were coming so well. But the varmints, the devils, <laughs> got in that little garden. I did the whole thing. I, I got the railroad ties, put them in a little square, got all the good soil, bought it, went to Rule King four, five, six, seven times, walked around. I almost was, I almost bought a pair of Wrangler blue jeans. I was, I was right there. Overalls, I was right there. I was, man, pitchfork, you got it. Man, I was, it was coming up. I had all the stuff, you know, the zucchini. I, I went overboard with the zucchini. I couldn't find okra. I just went overboard and had all the stuff, the tomatoes. I didn't do exactly right. They should have stood up. I didn't have the right steak. But it was going very well until the dogs got into that. And then I realized... My whole garden, I'll never survive. When the world collapses, I'll never survive. I'll have one zucchini. So I put gate around it. It was awesome. Now, I couldn't get in the gate. I had to figure that out. But I did put a gate around it and kept them out. When I was creating the garden, though that little area had a lot of stones, had a lot of rocks, it had roots. And I was digging them up and clearing them out. Because if I was going to have anything successful, I don't know much. But I do know, you don't grow a nice garden in a bed full of stones. Now you find out what the rocks are. Old offenses. Carnality. Anger issues. Intemperate. Oh, I know we all speak in tongues. I'm glad we do. How about the evidence of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such, there is no law. You can't withstand the fruit of the Spirit. And you can't dissect the fruit. It's all together. So if you want a healthy relationship, and you do, you have to take things out before the seed has a chance to grow and survive. That means if you're developing a friendship with someone who is a backslider, you better be on guard. There's a reason why they backslid. If you develop a relationship with someone who is a backslider, you better be in the lead. You better control the conversation because they're going to plant little things and the things they're planting are stones and rocks and they're going to choke you out. If you develop a relationship with someone who's bitter, promise you this, you'll become bitter and infected because the Bible says, lest any root of bitterness springing up and defile you and thereby many be defiled. No one has been around any bitter person and not been infected. Right? Come on, now tell me. Someone walks up to you and says, I've got COVID and it's really bad. <laughs> and what are you doing? Uh, hold on a second. I don't, I don't even want you to put on an N95. Come on, get the gas mask over here. Get, what are you talking? Encase the person. But no, you're welcoming the bitter person into your life and they'll kill you more than any COVID ever did. You develop a relationship with a bitter person, they'll infect you in a way you think you can handle it, but you cannot. You develop a friendship with someone and you'll take on their offenses. When you're, as you're around here a little bit, you're going to hear sermons and lessons. I've already done them many times. But taking up an offense will kill you every time. Amnon molested his half-sister and Absalom took up the offense for his sister, his full-blooded sister, and killed Amnon. 
And even though David was flagrant and did not deal with his children the right way, Absalom's offense, his taking up the offense for his sister was ultimately what destroyed him in the end. When you take up the offense for someone, you will be destroyed. Here's the problem. Two people can have a fight and an argument and they can repent and forgive each other. But if you take up sides for something you are not involved in, it's very difficult for you to get out of. Because you don't know who to ask for forgiveness for. That's why you should mind your own business. Thank you, and I will. You should mind your own business. Thank you. Thank you, brother. Because that's true. But you don't want to mind your own business because that's why you peruse through Facebook night and day to see what everyone else is doing. And the crowd went crazy. I have friendships. I guard the friendships. But I've lost some friends. When they left the truth, it was like a death. It was like a death. I had friends I wish you could have met. They they were wonderful. But they left the very thing that I'm fighting for. They gave away their birthright. And though I still love them, I, I pray for them. I can't let them influence my family. I can't let those former friends, watch pastor, walk into my home and infect my children. Because even if they're not overt in their criticism, they carry a spirit about them of rebellion. The spirit of rebellion is found in many places. You better guard who your close friends are. And if you're in, con- if you're in contact with anybody, hear me, anyone who they don't believe what you believe, you control the setting and the atmosphere. You control it. I need a friend that will tell me things that other people can't tell me. And I have one here tonight. I have two here tonight. I have three here tonight. The first one is my wife. She's my best friend. She tells me things that no one else tells me. And probably you shouldn't. But she tells me. Because she loves me. What you don't know is I could have been a lot worse than I am today, but I had a good friend that straightened me out. Morgan Vinzant's here tonight. Morgan, I love you, Morgan. You are a sweet and wonderful lady. One one of the sweetest people I know, Morgan. Uh, When you were up here just worshiping the other day and walking through, I was just crying and I thought of you, Morgan. Her daddy was an argent supporter and a loyalist. One day, Morgan was working in the sound booth in the old church, and my microphone wasn't on. And there was something wrong. I think it was the, the sound system, or it was my microphone. And I got frustrated. And I said, when, they, when Morgan or someone finally got it on, I said, when I come up here, I want this microphone to be turned on. That was the worst thing I could have ever said to you, Morgan. I apologize 15 years later. But guess what, Morgan? I had a friend that came to me. A couple days later, and my friend was my brother. And my brother Scotty said, I know you're my pastor, but Jeffrey, look at me. That didn't look good on you. Don't do that no more. So he rebuked me on your behalf, Morgan. Scotty is your friend also. He is your good friend, Morgan, 15 years ago. Hallelujah. Faithful are the wounds. And you know what? I'm still mad at those soundboard sound people every day. I'm still mad. No, I'm not. I'm not mad. They're wonderful people. They're wonderful. I have a friend in my brother who respects me as his pastor, which I don't even know how that happens. He's my hero. I have a friend in Brother Shock, Pastor Shock, because he'll speak to me and he'll give me words, but he'll be very careful what he says to me. But I, though I don't have very good discernment, I'm learning the discernment. I'm learning discernment. I, I learn how to interpret some of those words because Pastor Shock's been around a little bit and he's been my teacher for many, many years. I got three good friends and probably more in this house. Now I have some friends in here that have done good for me and I have not done as good for you. But you've helped me. 
I want my whole church to be my friend and my family. I don't want to avoid anybody in this house. I'm not walking past you ever. Because I'm afraid to talk to you. I don't want anyone to do that. I want to have friendships in the church. And I also want to have some friends that are not in the church. So that I can bring them to the church. I'll end with this. The word is motive. I have a motive for every friend that's not in the church. The motive is to bring them into the church and see them saved. I don't develop a relationship outside the world just so I can have fun with someone who doesn't know the Lord. I have sat at Java Hot how many times and sat down with them. And before we start talking, I would say to them, I just want you to know about a motive. I always say this word. You know, when you find the motive, you found the man. People have a lot of layers, but if you ever get down to the motive, then you find out what they're about. What's your motive? And I always say these same things, and then I tell them, I got a motive. I just want you to know, we're going to talk about whatever you want to talk about, but my motive is to lead you to Jesus Christ. Just so you know, I'm here to pray that God would help you and bless you. And that doesn't take just a couple minutes after that. I've seen people just tears well up in their eyes, and they're stunned, and the face are red. Oh, yes, Pastor, you know, I need the Lord. And okay, here we go. Here we go, because I have a motive. I'm developing that friendship so that I can show them this new birth experience found in John chapter 3. Your friends. I pray that the soil would be good, Lacey. That the rocks would be tore out. That in the spring, something would start to happen in here. The friendships would be better. The conversations would be better. We would make each other better. We would sharpen each other up. We provoke each other to good works. Provoke, provoke each other to make deeper commitments in God. Anyone who, who tells you you don't need to do that, you just say, hey, look, you know what? I like you, but we ain't hanging out. No Java for you. We, we, we ain't doing Java. I'm not spending $7 in your coffee. You, you need to get to, to somebody to say, hey, listen, I want to be your friend. And then you need to chase them down. And they may not even want to be your friend at first, but you, you, you give them, you, you give them attention and love and help and you go after them. You go after them until, until they can't get away from you and, and you develop the friendship because you know they're going to help you get to heaven. And if there's any friend in this house that you need, you need a friend that's going to help you get to heaven before the rapture comes so that you can be saved. And you need to get rid of friends that are going to drag you down and bring and cripple you. Okay, Lacey, you have the microphone and I want you, we're, we just have six minutes and I want you to repeat the three questions. Do you have the microphone? I want you to repeat the three questions and I want us to do it again because you went fast and I didn't get to write them all down, but I want you to repeat the three questions in the microphone. And the first question was this. You need to write this down and, and write it down several times. Like you got in trouble and you have to put it on a chalkboard a hundred times. Does the company that you keep encourage you with your walk with God? Okay, that, that's not the way you put it, but I want you to say it again. Number one, does your company encourage your relationship with God? Okay, does your company re- encourage your relationship with God? Does it encourage? Now, let's, now, we have a couple of exceptions. What are the exceptions? That our motive is to bring other people toward, toward the kingdom. All right, that's the exception, but you're in charge of that, right? You're not putting yourself in a place that that's going to destroy you. I've told the story many times. Tammy took me crabbing on our first one of our first dates. She said, "Let's go crabbing." I'm like, "What? Oh, what's that?" She got the nasty meat, you know, the big twine. We went out to the bayous in Louisiana. We 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 straddled these big pipes going across the bayous and this nasty old water. And she and and here's this. Petite little southern bell putting this nasty meat on the string. We just put it right down the water. Crab, crab got it. We got it. We, we, we put it, we, we got this crab on the string, ate, eating that nasty meat and we put it into the, into a cooler. It didn't have a lid. I said, Tammy, it doesn't have a lid. She said, don't worry. Let's get another crab. If you get two, one crab can get out of the, of the container. Two crabs can never get free. Cause once the one crab gets over, the other crab pulls him down. Two or more crabs in a container without a lid, you're home free. You never need a lid as long as you have two crabs. 
negative people, you know, you get one, they can almost get over. You get the negative person, you're pulling them down. Complainers, get two complainers, they'll, you don't even need a lid. There's no, they contain themselves. Who, what's the company that you're keeping? What is it? Do, are they encouraging your walk with God? What, where are they leading you? Where are they leading you? You have a soul. It's eternal. Don't mess around with your eternal soul. It's not a game. What's number two? Now, I didn't get number two, Lacey. I, I have to write it. Number two, do they complain or build the church up? Uh-oh. Do they complain, A-I-N, or build the church up? Hmm. Hmm. Do they complain? Do they tear it down? Or This is a family business. Do you remember the family business? Go back and listen to the family business. You know, in the family business, you don't go serve people and they say, what's good on the menu? The last thing I want to hear from my waiter or waitress, nah, not really anything. No, not good. Right. Do you eat that? No. I don't want to hear, I don't want to go to the Italian restaurant and have the waiter say, you know, I just don't like spaghetti. I don't, I certainly don't want to go to Red Lobster and someone wait on me and say, I'm, I'm just, I'm allergic to fish. Really? We went to a restaurant and we said, what's good on the menu? And the lady said, the breadsticks. Did, he, did they make the breadsticks? No. Are they homemade? No. They put them in the oven? Yeah, they're good. Oh. We're out of here, man. Last thing I want to hear from the waiter or the waitress at the family restaurant is complaining about the cook. What do you like on the menu? I want them to tell me what they like on the menu because I want them to be in love with the food. And I want the waiter not to not to worry about bussing the table or helping the back room because it's the family business. Everybody does whatever they can do. We got to build each other up. We have to build each other up. You and I are responsible for the for the strength of this body and we have to do it through proper friendships. Okay, Lacey. Let's do number three before we run out of time. Number three, are you like-minded and are they kingdom focused? Is your friend like-minded and are you kingdom focused? Well, why, why do we have, why do we have to do that? Because, because it's about the kingdom. This is about the kingdom. Well, what is that kingdom? Well, the first shall be last and the last shall be first in the kingdom. Well, well, the kingdom has many likenesses, but mostly it's servanthood. It's, it's the lack of recognition knowing that it's for the king. It's not for us. In, in the kingdom, it's a monarch, a kingdom. It's not, it's not a de- democratic republic. The majority doesn't win. He, he wins. The Lord wins. It's a king. It's a monarchy. It's a theocracy. It's, it's a God. It's a God that leads us and we're the servants of the most high God. I want to be a servant of the most high God. Well, I want my friends to love this. I want my friends to love this. We went to Pastor Stark's um, birthday celebration, anniversary, a whole bunch of things. It was on a weekend. And there was a lot of ministers that were invited. And almost none of them came because it was on a Sunday. And Pastor Stark got up. It was Brother Hernandez and I. I think there was one more person as pastors at Vangison. Brother Eli Hernandez turned to me and said, Brother Harpole, you know, uh, I know he wanted more people to come. And just about that time, pastor got up and said, well, all my friends are pastors. And we're all doing the same thing on Sunday. So if they had had it on Tuesday, a lot of pastors would have come. But they were all like-minded friends. His friends were like-minded. And that's critical that we have friendships that love the kingdom. It's a kingdom work. It's a kingdom business. And I want my friends to have the same thought. I'm developing them. Now, at the end you'll say, yes, but pastor, I'd like to have a friend, but I don't have very many friends. Well, the Bible says if a, if a person wants to have a friend, a friend, they must show themselves. Everyone show. Say show. Work. Show themselves friendly. 
You'll never have a good friend unless you learn how to smile and love and be kind. Let's try that one more time. It's been work for you. Smile. How are you? Think about what other people are going through. Ask about them. That's right. And then develop your friendship from there. Amen. There's so much here. I think the word came forth and I want you to go back, if you will, and listen to Sister Lacey one more time. And wasn't it wonderful what she said? Let's clap our hands. We're so grateful. Stand with me, will will you? Jesus, we are here tonight and there's been some probing of our lives. This is the church that you've called us to. This is the body that you put us in. We were drawn by you, your spirit. We are all here, Lord, individually, but we come for one purpose, Lord. I pray, Lord, help us to be laborers in the field, workers in your kingdom, servants of the Lord. In Jesus, I pray. And Lord, let let all the saints, Lord, let all the people, let there be a spirit of unity and friendship and kindness and love and respect. Let there be respect in the church. And I pray, Lord, that you would help us as we grow. Help us to grow internally and spiritually. Let the health of this body be seen both emotionally and spiritually, both with love and forgiveness. And Lord, I pray as we begin to pull out the things that hinder the seed, give us courage to do it. Let the good seed be found. And Lord, let there be a great harvest in our lives. In the name of Jesus, I pray. And everyone say in Jesus' name, amen.